Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Today, I am going to jump into a series called Grace Paralysis. And that's kind of, might sound kind of spooky to you. I don't know. It's a scary looking graphic. I made it and I was like, hey, that's kind of intense. But okay. Uh, my, I sent it off to our media team and I was like, mm, what's done is done. It's over now. Anyway, my goal today is to keep you from grace paralysis. I'm not accusing you of grace paralysis. That's between you and the Lord. And you're like, what meaneth this word even? What does this even mean? Grace paralysis. I'm going to tell you, don't worry. But I want to set like precursor to the whole thing. I'm not accusing anyone of this. All right? I'm not looking around like all y'all are sitting around paralyzed by grace. Da, 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 da. But I do know this happens. I'm even going to show you in the Bible where it's evidential that it happens. And I do know that if we don't guard against it, then it can unintentionally creep in. Does that make sense? You know, we're, we're new creations. We're one with Christ already, all that stuff. But we have to guard our hearts with all diligence, right? Right? We have to keep our heart. So this is important. So you might be there today, and I hope you break out. Amen? Or my goal is if you're not there, you never get there because of this message. Amen? Amen. So I am going to pray for this because I just been, I just want to pull on every part of heaven I can. And I feel like there's a paradigm in church sometimes where the worship is where the spirit manifests and the word is just principles. And I want to break that. Paul actually said in Titus that the word was manifested as I preached the word. He said the capital W word was made manifest as I preached the word. So that's my prayer. I want you to have such a deep encounter with Jesus now just like in worship. Just like, you know, does that make sense? Or greater, whatever. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are here to encounter you. You are the word that was made flesh that died and rose again, seated at the right hand. And even now, God, we sense you in the room. We honor your presence. And God, I pray that the Son of God would be made manifest during the preaching of your word. That your person, not just your principles, would invade our lives in new and deep ways. In Jesus' name, amen. I felt that in my my calves. It was weird. I like... I literally felt like something creeping up my calves, like electricity going up my calves. That's what happens when you make a graphic like that. You know, you're like asking for it. I'm just going to stand here for a little bit. Hold on. Okay. This thing's supposed to be a cup holder. It's really like my knee brace. It's like it holds me into. All right. This was inspired by a guy named Jim Baker. He's a buddy of mine. 1K, no Tammy Faye, if you get the joke. Um, <clears throat> if you don't, it's fine. All right. He said on Facebook a few weeks ago, he said this, I quote, all Christians are saved by grace. Unfortunately, some are paralyzed by grace. They are so afraid to do anything in response for fear it will be works. Prayer, fasting, seeking God, scripture meditation, serving the poor. This is wisdom, not works. End quote. Raise your hand if you're offended. Just kidding. Don't, don't raise your hand. It's fine. Just be offended quietly. No, I'm just kidding. Grace paralysis is when you end up ineffective and useless for the kingdom of God because you have all you need to get to heaven. You become impotent 
for the advancement of God's works and his desires because you don't want to try to earn your way into God's favor. It's tricky, man, because you are saved no matter what. Like, you are. It's true. We believe in the perseverance of the saints is what it's called. It's a theological position, you know, that once you truly encounter Jesus, it's, you're, you're not going to lose it. That's basically the idea. Some will say once saved, always saved. We don't really abide by that language because it's been used in so many bad ways, okay? But what I'm saying is once you've encountered Jesus, you can't forget. Once you're one, you're one. Now, you can backslide, you can be an apostate, but there's not even scriptural reasons. Why am I going to this? There's not even scriptural teeth to say that even the apostate will not be in heaven. That's just our filter on everything in the scriptures is go to heaven, not go to heaven. <laughs> so if you take that filter off and go, is this actually say that? It's actually not there. So <laughs> Lord have mercy. Where did I go there? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Grace paralysis will actually keep you focused on getting to heaven and ignorant of bringing heaven to earth. It will. Let me help you. I'm just here to help. Say he's trying to help. Come on, say it. He's trying to help. Say he's trying to help. There's no prayer to get to heaven in the Bible. I said I was trying to help you, right? Remember that? There's no prayer to get to heaven. There's a prayer to know the Father. No one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus said. There's no prayer to go to heaven. There is a very important prayer that calls heaven to come to earth. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will. Like the prayer. Teach us to pray. And they say, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And we're like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Get me off of earth and into heaven. Beam me up, sonny. You know, they, we just want to get out of here. And that can lead to grace paralysis. Grace paralysis really results from a fundamental misunderstanding of what grace is and what grace does. I think the church in the modern era has fundamentally misunderstood what grace is and what grace does. So this week, we're going to focus on what grace is, all right? Next week, we'll do what grace does. So I hope you come back. <laughs> I'm going to scare you off. Listen to this quote by Dallas Willard. He said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. You need to sit with that for a second. Some of us actually believe grace is the opposite of effort. If grace is operating, the grace of God will come, he'll do it. God will change Tampa. Jesus is going to just come back and rescue us out of this wicked, perverse pride month. How many buttons can I hit within the first few minutes? Let's try. Find the buttons. Push. It's fun for me. You might not have fun, but I am. Some of us really believe this in our core. It's a, that uh, it's, they work against each other. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We are not saved to sit. We are saved to be sent. Did you know that you were not saved just for you? You know, Jesus rescued you from you and me from you. Hallelujah. I'll say it better. Jesus rescued me from me and you from me, me from you. Whatever. I, you know what I'm saying. I got it backwards again. We're not saved for ourselves. I've never seen a tree eat its own fruit. 
You ever seen a tree munching on its own apples or oranges or whatever? No? It's all grown to give away. You know when it's not given away? When it rots. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is going to be fun. Grace saves you from working to gain God's favor and sends you to work in his favor. That's the truth. I want you to sit here for a second. Grace saves you from working to gain God's favor. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? We all understand that. We're like, yeah, I don't have to do anything to be right with God. I can't, I can't, in fact, be right enough to be righteous before God. All of our righteous acts are filthy rags as unto him, meaning they do not compare to his righteousness. We cannot do enough right things to be right before God. Can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah, we're like, yeah, thank God for grace. But it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just save you from that. It sends you to work in his favor. You're sent, man. You're sent to your family. You're sent to your job. You're sent to somebody. If you live in the United States, just by the fact you were born here, you have resources enough for 90% of the earth. You are in the top 10% of the world. And you don't think you're sent? Well, I'm just struggling to pay my bills. Well, that's a stewardship issue, not a sending issue. It's okay. I'll celebrate my own. I'll I brought my own encouragement. I don't need it. I got my own. All of your complaining about not having enough has nothing to do with how much he sent you to do. Has nothing to do. Those things are totally not related. Okay? They are in your mind. Because like if I had more, I would. No, you wouldn't. He who's trusted with little can be trusted with much. You got a dollar to give. Give that dollar. <laughs> I can't give this dollar. If I had 10, I'd give it. No, you wouldn't. No, you would not. If I had 10 million, I would give it. No, you would not. <laughs> if I had more time, if I had my, you know what that's called? That's called destination disease. When I get over there, when I have that, I will. And it never happens. Have you noticed? <laughs> you get there and you want to go somewhere else. It's destination disease. I just need to be somewhere else, see something else, have something else. It's a sick cycle. I don't want you in it. And it's paralyzing. And some of us are there because of our misunderstanding of what grace is. Are you going to be okay? You're going to last another 20 minutes? Are you okay? Okay. Sometimes I can't tell if it's your thinking face or your mad face. I really, sometimes I know. Other times I'm like, I have no clue. <laughs> Let's read this verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We love the first part of this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And we end the quote. It's not the end of the verse. It's not even the end of the sentence. You know, stopping at the comma like it's a period is really silly. I, I went to high school. That's all I did. I did high school. I never went to college. But I know you don't stop reading at the comma. You just pause for a second and then keep reading. Can I get an amen? Okay, so why are we quoting this like that's the end of the thought? It's not. It's a misquote when you quote half. Okay. <laughs> It's worse than being out of context. It's like making your own context. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay? So you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim his excellencies, uh, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's unto something else. It's not just, yeah, I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation, yay. <laughs> I've said it so many times here. I hope it's not getting old for you. I don't want a holy huddle. I want a holy virus. 
I want to infect Tampa Bay with the love of God. Yeah, I want this to go viral. No, the first time I said that was in the height of COVID. That was probably bad timing. <laughs> but it's still true. Okay. I want a holy sneeze to come upon me. As long as it's the breath of God. Amen. And not yours. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's my question. This verse, you can't get away from it. Here's the question. How's your life proclaiming how excellent Jesus is? Well, that's not a very nice question. It actually is a very fair question. Because you're not saved for you. You're saved for everyone else. You're saved to be sent. Come on. What would it look like for your life to be a proclamation of his beauty and his love? Here's a couple ideas. Could it look like giving your time to others? Giving your treasure, treasure your talent to the people around you? Could it look like studying his word so that you're so saturated with his voice that it's the only voice others hear when you speak? Could it look like sitting in prayer, like on Thursday nights at 6.30? I can't keep up with your time changes. 6 o'clock. It's four campuses. It's hard to get everybody straight in my brain here. All right? Thursday at prayer at 6 o'clock. There's a team here opening the doors and praying. Maybe you need to come sit and commune with God. So that you can go with an awareness of, a of his power every day. Maybe you need these moments. Could it look like, and this is, this is whatever. Could it look like forsaking a meal or two in order to buy food for someone else who needs it? You know, that's what God says in Isaiah, that this is the fast that I choose to share your bread with the hungry. If you're fasting and you're just padding your bank account, you're doing it wrong. I didn't have to buy food this week because I fasted. You did. You missed the point. You're supposed to give food away. The food you would eat, you give it away. That's true and proper fasting. It's kind of like that meme. If you're fasting and gossiping, just go ahead and eat. Right? <laughs> if you're fasting and padding your bank account, just go ahead and eat. God is not pleased with that. <laughs> like, not the point. He loves you. Can't change that. Could it look like going to the poor, the least of these, giving money and manpower to actually help? Like we're going to Tijuana in November. Again, taking a team. Peter went with me. Heather from South Tampa went with me last year. These people live, eat, sleep, work on a garbage dump. And we come and give them a, a respectable meal and a night of music and fun. We share with them our bread. And we tell them that there's a God in heaven who loves them and sees them and wants to call them out of this situation. Like, wow, I can take a week off of work? Oh. <laughs> he went. He said, worth it. Well, I won't have, I won't have, I won't have. Maybe you're not supposed to have all that you have. Maybe you're supposed to give away all that you have for the sake of him. Just a thought. You know what? Here's the truth. And hopefully this will make you feel better. And you'll endure to the end of this message. None of these actions will ever change your relationship with God. They will only change the earth's relationship with heaven. If you're walking in the grace of God, you're not changing your relationship with him. You're changing the earth's relationship with heaven. You're releasing heaven on the earth. All right, that was my introduction. Are you guys okay? We're going to talk. Part one. That was legit, my introduction. Here's part one. What grace is? 
I don't know why this feels so volatile right now. I hope you're going to be fine. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says this. Maybe it's because we're called the resting place, and you thought you just were saved to sit and rest. I don't know. But it's actually from his rest that you're most effective to serve. You know, it's supposed to be a resting place for God and a resting place for others. Yeah, that's what it means. Don't worry. I'm going to do a whole series in August on it. It's going to be great. You'll be fine. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for by what? Grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Hallelujah. Yay. We're saved by grace through faith. I didn't do it. Amen. It's all Jesus is doing. I just believed it was true and boom, I was saved. Let's keep reading. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, oh, there are good works. That's works-based salvation. That's works. That's works. No, there's good works. Okay. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you catch that? Before he saved you, he prepared work for you. And then he saved you so you could work well. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you got a job to do. It's like going to the least of these. It's going to those who don't have food. It's going to those who are hurting and broken. It's giving your time away. It's not ignoring the homeless guy at the red light because you feel awkward. You're like, he might buy cigarettes with my $2. Oh, my God. What if he buys beer? You know, the Bible actually says, do not refuse the one who asks of you. You know, his disobedience is not anywhere near yours because he might, he or she might be ignorant. You're not. And I just made you even less ignorant. It says, do not refuse the one who asks of you. I was with Scott Smiley walking through Ebor after a meeting, and we had a div- divine uh, interruption just this last week. Divine disruptions. It's great. This guy just walks right in between us. He's like, hey, man, I got an interview later today. I got a job interview later today, and, you know, I need some, I need some food. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, I am, like, mid-sentence with Scott. Like, we are, like, mid. And I just totally blew Scott off because I knew he could take it. I, he just walked away. And I was like, yeah, man, come on here. Let's go. We're at the 7-Eleven. And we got in there. And he's like, yeah, I just need some food to hold me over. I'm like, all right, bro, get what you want. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, whatever you want, man. We're at a gas station. How much damage can you do at a 7-Eleven? Like, probably bad, but I was, like, feeling the Lord. I'm like, this is the assignment of God. He will provide. Amen. <laughs> Whatever's about to happen. This boy, he grabs a Reese's Pieces, one of those cups, and a slushy. And I said, dude, you know, you probably should drink, like, a water and eat a Cliff Bar or something. Like, this is just sugar. He's like, man, this is, this is going to get me through to my interview. I'm like, all right. So I bought him the Reese's and the slushy. He did not want anything else. I'm like, amen, mind over matter, bro. Go you. You know what I mean? Like, that's, there's nothing nutritional about this, but your brain thinks it is, so you're going to make it. Amen. You know? <laughs> Why did I do that? Because the Bible says, do not refuse the one who asks of you. Because he was in need. He asked, and I said, yes. That was the grace of God in operation, you understand? Could have been the goodness of my heart, but I felt the Lord say, yeah, because I have walked past people. I have people who have asked for stuff. The Lord, I didn't, I didn't feel pulled, whatever. I'm not excusing your disobedience. I'm just saying, there's been times where I know. I know that I wasn't supposed to help somebody, and I didn't. You know what I mean? But if I don't know, I usually help. 
You know what I mean? Anybody following this? Okay. You were prepared for good works. There's work for you to do. Then that's good. Let's just turn to your neighbor and say, you got work to do. Come on. You got work to do. And that's a good thing. Come on. Say that's a good thing. You got work to do and that's a good thing. <laughs> None of your works change your relationship with God. They change the earth's relationship with heaven. And you need to get that in your spirit. It's not a bumper sticker, guys. Lost, found, found free, peace, reign. We're not just like, ooh, cool, mission statement. Yeah. T-shirts. Yeah. No, we're like, we mean it. We mean it. We want peace to reign. We're not done if peace isn't reigning. Absolutely. Let's look at the word grace because, this, again, I believe we have a fundamental misunderstanding. Grace is Cairo. It means graciousness, gratifying. It's a manner, of, it's a manner or an act. Abstract or concrete, literal, figure, figurative, spiritual, or spiritual. Especially, listen to this, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Did you hear that? I'm reading the dictionary for the Greek word grace. It's the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. His influence should be reflected in your actions. Right? Like, if Jesus doesn't have your calendar, does he actually have your heart? If Jesus does, if he doesn't have your pocketbook, does he actually have your soul? Hello? And I'm, I'm not telling you, you need to give here more, do anything. You need to serve the people God puts in front of you every single day. You're sent. I'm trying to send you. The word, helps word studies goes on to say, this is favorable, or favor that leans toward to share a benefit. So God gave us grace. He leaned towards us to share the benefit of his presence, of his love, of his mercy. And if we are operating in the grace of God, we also need to lean forward and share the benefit. It's not grace if it's not shared. It's just selfish. Hallelujah. Man, it's quiet. This is what I do when I feel awkward. All right. I'm not skipping any of it, by the way. I'm just, like, doing this needlessly till I feel less awkward. I don't know. All right. Grace is God's favor extended to us to bring us out of working for God and into working with God. Come on. Grace is the free gift of God's favor that takes us out of the punishment paradigm of the law and into the excellence paradigm of the new covenant. Listen. Fear of punishment is really the idea, the perfectionism idea, all right? Perfectionism is the fear of getting it wrong. I have to get it right or else. I have to. It has to be perfect. Excellence is the love and joy of doing it well. You're called to proclaim his excellencies. You're called to do everything with excellence as unto the Lord, not unto men. Excellence and perfection are different. Did you know that? One has to do with fear. The other one has to do with love. So the fear of punishment is totally inappropriate, and it's not grace. But grace doesn't leave all action aside. It says, all right, now here's a love for what could be. Here's a love for how great this place could be. Did you know Christians should be the best people at everything? Like, we should be the best in money. We should be the best eaters. You know, like, you should eat the best food, like nutritionists. We should be the best managers of organizations. It says the nations will come to the brightness of your rising. I don't see the nations coming to the church. Why? Because we're waiting to get to heaven. 
waiting to get to heaven will paralyze you with grace. You just sit there. The law said, do this, don't do that, in order to be in God's favor. Grace says, you're in my favor, so here's some great stuff you get to do. Did you know it's actually really fun to do what God shows you to do? Like, it might not be fun at first, but it'll get fun. I promise, all right? The greatest joy of my life right now is leading this, this movement of the resting places. It's amazing. I, I come to tears all the time, and it's also extremely difficult, okay? Did you know I tried to tank this thing at the beginning? Anyone here from the letter carrier days, like set up, tear down, letter carrier, you remember that? I literally got on the mic and said, I don't want to be here. Like first couple months, multiple times, I don't want to be here. So if you don't want to be here, I don't care because I don't want to be here either. I said this stuff. It's like on video, okay? <laughs> I was being honest, probably too vulnerable, you know. It's a problem, you know. We should be authentic with all, vulnerable with some. Some of y'all need to do that. I'm saving the cashier at Publix later right now, okay? When she asks, how's your day? It's not a time to like, it's not a counseling session, right? Authentic with everyone, vulnerable with few. You're welcome. <laughs> so I was probably a little too vulnerable at the beginning, but I did not want to do this. I wanted, I was like, Lord, if this is you, you're going to have to make it happen despite me. I did. That was my attitude. It was messed up. I repented. Okay. And now I've come into the love of it. And even through all its changes and everything, it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. Like the four campus thing is very difficult. It's like hurting spiritual cats, you understand? Like, it's hard enough to get all of you on the same page. Try doing that in four different places at the same time on a Sunday morning. With empowering people and not controlling them and telling them everything to say or do or think or whatever. It's, some of y'all from the letter carriers days know that these grays did not exist four and a half years ago. There has been a change, you know. Why am I saying that? The grace of God came in my life and said, Caleb, plant this church. And I went through a lot of effort and still am under an extreme amount of effort to carry it. It's not opposed to effort, y'all. It's not all going to be easy. It's not all going to be fun. But there is a joy in it. There's a joy in it. The fear of punishment is gone. Like, oh, God, if I don't do this, if I don't do the assignment, if I don't do that or this, you're going to punish me. That's gone. But a love of excellence has to come in. See, sometimes we stop in that gap. Oh, I'm not going to be punished. Great, so I'm going to not do anything or not care about what I do. But what needs to come in is a love of excellence. I love to do the will of God. It's awesome. It's so much fun. There's so much joy. I mean, slushies and Reese's Pieces, buying that for a dude gave me great joy. It gave him no nutritional value, but it gave me great joy. And then... I'm going to show you through some rapid-fire scriptures that this, the gr grace of God has broken us out of law and into excellence, all right, into this new day. John uh, 1, 16 through 17 says, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Galatians 2, 21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What's the purpose? To live in grace. 
Romans 5, 20 through 21 says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Like, it's supposed to reign right now. Grace is supposed to reign right now in your life. Last one, Romans 11, 5 through 6. This is talking about Israel. It says, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace will no longer be grace. So I don't want to lose the definition here in the weeds. But you need to understand, grace is way more than forgiveness. It's God's empowerment to be active and effective in the kingdom. Anyone here want to be active and effective? Anybody, like you just, you, you're done playing church, you're done saying Jesus is Lord and nothing else happens around you. Anybody? Anybody just actually want to make an impact on the earth? Like want to see people come out of their bondage? Want to see poverty like solved? Anybody? I know Jesus said the poor will always be with you. That was an observation, not a description, by the way. Okay? He was saying, let this woman give to me. You're going to have the poor in a few minutes, all right? He's not prescribing our lack of heaven entering earth. Heaven is supposed to come in its fullness. We say nothing less than heaven in this house. That's what we're saying. If you're feeling like a, like a pull or like a, a leaning, that's the grace of God inspiring you. I promise you, I am not that good of a speaker. I'm not a hype man. I am asking God to bring his grace to move you. Because I could get you excited, you'll walk out unchanged. But God can change you from the inside out and give you an internal motivation to be a difference everywhere you go. A boldness to proclaim that there is a lover of your soul. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You just dropped that line on a few people this week. Watch the earth change. I don't know what to do. Well, okay, I'll help you. Get on a serve team. You're like, that's so self-serving. No, it's not. You understand? You're like, I don't know how to operate. We'll help you find your grace gifts. If you get up here and you try to sing, and it sounds like nails on a chalkboard, we'll be like, bro, you ain't grace for that. All right? Sorry. Let's try this over here, you know? Some of y'all can testify. You've been on every single team the resting place has. Like, Britt is one of them. Like, she went through every team. She's like, I'm just going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. And now she's like this intercessor warrior who's leading prayer and all this stuff. Like, boom. You know? You're like, I don't know where to begin. We got a lot of opportunity for you. That's why we're, we are built the way we're built. Did you know that your gifts are for everyone else, not for you? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gifts is the word charisma. It is literally grace gifts. Grace gifts. There are a variety of grace gifts. Gifts that are rooted and founded in grace. Because of grace, you're gifted. You ever met someone who's like, oh, they're just grace for that. They're just really good at that. They can't turn it off no matter what. Even if they're not trying, they could do it half asleep. That's a grace gift. Okay? And it goes into list these things. It says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service. Did you hear the connection there? But the same Lord. Your gifts are for service. The structure of the paragraph is on purpose, guys. Like, Paul is trying to put these things next to each other. Gifts are for service. The Spirit is Lord, and gifts are for service. There are varieties of activities. What activities should we be involved in? Serving people with our gifts. Hello? But it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the 
common good. The common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, which you might need because I'm reading this so fast. But all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions them to each one individually as he wills. Your gifts are individual gifts, but they're not for an individual. They're for everybody else. This word charisma in the Greek is literally the operation of grace. Grace operating. It's a divine divine empowerment for a believer to share God's work with others. I'm just reading, like, Helps Word Study, which is a Bible dictionary on what the word means. Can you see how we really grossly misunderstood what grace is? Come on. It's always mentioned with the outflow. Always mentioned with giving away. It says spirit-empowered service. Spirit-empowered service. Come on. How many of you have heard of uh, the character in the Bible, the Shulamite? Raise your hand if you've heard of that. Okay, lots of you. It is the person in the Song of Solomon, the feminine character who is being wooed by the bridegroom king. It's the bride in Song of Solomon. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that Song of Solomon is not Christian erotica. If it helps you in your marriage, hallelujah, I don't care. But what I'm saying to you is (laughs) it is a divine allegory, and it shows the spiritual maturation process of the bride of Christ and the wooing of the king. Okay, that's the only way it actually works. Like, go actually read it in a literal sense. You'll see some problems. I'm not going to mention what they are. Maybe you're curious. If you're a middle schooler, ask your parents for permission to read it. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Why do I say these things? The Shulamite suffered from grace paralysis. She did. She did. She suffered from it. There's this, this moment in the, in the saga, she's being encountered by the king. The first line of song is, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. So kind are his caresses, I drink them in like the sweetest wine. There's encounter after encounter after encounter for the Shulamite. And then we get to chapter 5 out of 8. And it, she says this in verse 3 of chapter 5. I have already laid aside my own garments for you. How could I take them up again since I've yielded my righteousness to yours? You have cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? This comes in a moment where the king comes knocking and says, let's go. We got some more. Let's do some more stuff. We got some more things to do. Come with me to the mountain. Come with me to the leopard's lair. Come with me to where we can see through the archway of trust it talks about. Come with me where we can war together. Come with me where you can have a difference. And she says, listen, I'm already clean. Isn't that enough? I already have your garments of righteousness. I'm a new creation. I've been saved, healed, delivered. I'm comfy eating my Cheetos on the couch because I know she's paralyzed by grace. And it is totally possible, so I hope no one feels condemned today. It's totally possible to encounter Jesus in powerful ways throughout your life and then slip into grace paralysis. Just like it's entirely possible to backslide and, like, you know, whatever, Go against Jesus and and hate God after you've encountered. It's also possible to slip into grace paralysis. Here's the good news. 
so we don't actually break ourselves out of it. We don't have to break ourselves out of it. We actually just let him do the work again. You want to know the solution to grace paralysis? You're probably not expecting it. It's more grace. Like, wait a minute, didn't I get here because of that? Yeah, well, he just wants to overwhelm you again with his grace. And that breaks you out. How do I know that? It's the story. I'm telling you. Song of Song, chapter 5, verse 4 through 8. The very next verse goes on to say, my beloved, after she said, isn't this enough? Haven't I been clean enough? You know, I'm here. He's, it says, my beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. My spirit arose to open for more of his touch. As I surrendered to him, I began to sense his fragrance. Did you notice it doesn't start with the surrender, it starts with the touch. He comes again to touch our heart, to pull on our heartstrings, to say, you are beautiful and you are called. Let's go. And we surrender to it. As I surrendered to him, I began to sense his fragrance, the fragrance of his suffering love. It was the sense of myrrh flowing all through me. I opened my soul to my beloved, but suddenly he was gone. And my heart was torn out and longing for him. I sought his presence, his fragrance, but could not find him anywhere. I called out for him, yet he did not answer. I will arise and search for him until I find him. This is a divine instance of hide and go seek. It's God's favorite game. I wrote about it in my book, The Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Ways of Yahweh. You can read about it. He loves to play hide and go seek. He's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. Because there's something in that seeking that builds you into someone who can carry the one you find. <laughs> there's something in the tension of the search that builds you internally to be able to carry the assignment that he has on your life. And he's like, over here, stick around, over here, you know. He's like, come this way, you know. I love playing hide and seek with my kids. Because they, they, I can hide really well, actually. That's why I love playing it, because I can beat them really good. <laughs> Merciless at certain times. I'm very thin. I can fit in a lot of places, okay? So they got no idea where I'm at until, like, Shiloh's looking, and I just, like, he'll be in the room. He'll be, like, three feet away from me, and I'm, like, in the closet. And I'll just start, I'll just go, he goes, Daddy? And I'm like, he, 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 he. He's, like, he's, like, following the laugh. He's, like, trying to find, you know? It's the best the best. I think God likes it too. But this moment is not an easy moment. She got paralyzed. She got sleepy. She rested in the wrong kind of way. And there was a consequence. Let's keep reading. She says, I will arise and search for him until I find him. That sounds great. But then sometimes they don't go very well. <laughs> sometimes you run into people who represent him poorly. Anybody been around people? Anybody been those people? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. All right. So as I walked throughout the city in search of him, the overseers stopped me as they made their rounds. They beat me and bruised me until I could take no more. They wounded me deeply and removed my covering from me. Nevertheless, make this promise, you brides-to-be. If you find my beloved one, please tell him I endured all travails for him. I've been pierced through by love, and I will not be turned aside. That is not a paralyzed person. That is a person who is literally leaning in, who is searching, who's not going to be turned aside. 
she was not going through all of this to earn anything. She took action because he had touched her heart again. Because he had given her another dose of grace, if you have to put it that way. Come on. So the question is, will you let him? And will you stop blaming God for the failures of men who represented him? That's really the problem. We hear about it all the time. You call your church the resting place, you get all the church hurt people. I know. You hear that sound? That's awkward confirmation. We did. When was it, Scott? Like a year in, year and a half in? We just noticed like, wow, almost everybody here has a ministry past and it's traumatic. It was like 80%, right, roughly. Like, wow, what's going on here? We know there are overseers. We know there are people out there who abuse the word of God, who use people for their own gains, who are selfish. But do you notice she didn't blame God for them? She turned to the bride to be and said, I will endure all of it, every part of it for him. Because I know he is good. I've met him. I've known him. She remembered something specific, his suffering love. Say his suffering love. You know, myrrh is actually embalming fluid for dead people. It's actually, the Hebrew word is tears from a tree. He remembered, she remembered the tears from a tree. She remembered the cross. So, the cross, why? Why, why the cross? Because that is where the grace of God was truly poured out. We need another encounter with the love of God. Made manifest in the cross of Jesus Christ. He was stretched upon a tree to extend unmerited favor to you and to me. And if we lose sight of that, we lose sight of his sacrifice, we lose gratitude for that, we are not walking in grace. We get paralyzed by it. That's why Paul said things like, I endeavor to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. If you don't know the story, God became a man. Born of a virgin, meaning there was no intercourse between her and her fiancé. And somehow she got pregnant. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary and pregnated her. And Jesus was born as the Savior of the whole world. He lived a perfect, righteous life. And he undid, outdid, overdid, redid everything Adam did. The first Adam. He's called the last Adam. He didn't just live a perfect life. He died a horrible death. The Psalms say he was like a worm and not a man. Isaiah said he didn't even look like a human being anymore on that cross. Seen the passion of the Christ? Yeah? Anybody seen that? Not even close. Not even close. They would not be allowed to show the real thing if you read it in the scriptures. They would not be allowed. If it looks like a human being on the cross, it's not even close. That was his suffering love for you, for me. God said... I'm not going to live in heaven without them. I'm going to come down, and I'm going to lift them with me into my love. I'm going to lift them into heavenly places. If you're suffering from grace paralysis today, maybe you've lost sight of the cross. Maybe you've lost your perspective that, yeah, you're saved, but you're not saved for you. That Jesus laid down his life for us, and we're called to lay down our life for others. Amen. So would you stand? We're just going to have a moment of prayer. And we have an altar ministry team. It's going to go on our left and our right. Bonnie's going to play a little bit of music here just to help you focus your heart. I just invite you to close your eyes right now. Just No one's going to make you do anything. Just close your eyes.
just so you're not distracted. And we're gonna take, we're gonna take just a moment, a pausing moment. And I, you know, the reality is forward progress requires present awareness. So if you don't know where you are presently, you can't progress forward, right? So just take a moment with the Lord, close your eyes and just say, Lord, where am I at? If you're not paralyzed by grace, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let this be a confirmation that you're on the right track. But if you're somewhere in your life, it's just, I'm, I'm good. I'll say, I know he's calling me to this, but I, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. That sounds hard. And it's good enough. And God will forgive me or, or whatever. Any of those excuses. If those are in your heart, just give them to the Lord and say, Lord, hit, smack me with your grace again. <laughs> Bring your grace again. And let your grace rule in my heart in a new and powerful way. I just want everybody to close their eyes for a minute. If you're here and like, I'm going to be the only one looking. And if they can push the live stream real close on me. Live stream beeps. Because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But everybody, eyes closed seriously. If you're here and you're like, yep, I'm paralyzed by grace. I've been, I need, God's calling me to things and I just have made excuses. Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Amen. I see you, bro. I see you, bro. Yep. Once you raise it, you can put it down. Amen. I see you. Yep. Anyone else? It's just a simple act before the Lord of like recognition. Anybody else? Okay. Lord Jesus, for those who just lifted their hands and those who maybe should have, <laughs> we ask you to do what only you can do. Come on. If you didn't lift your hand, can you pray with me out loud right now for those who did? Say, Lord Jesus, do what only you can do. Come on, out loud. Pray. Do what only you can do. Release us, Lord, for any par from paralysis. Let us step into your grace in new and mighty ways. I bless my brother, my sister. I bless them. And we thank you, Lord, that you have a perfect plan for us that is so fun and full of adventure that we get to do this with you. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from gaining your favor and sending us to work in your favor. We receive that assignment now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, hold your places. Tracy's going to come up. She's got a word that she's going to share. Tracy's the senior uh, prophetic leader of the resting place, so go ahead and just open your heart to this word. Um, I just really heard so vividly that some of you um, in this room or maybe on live stream are afraid to say yes. And I heard the Lord just invite you. Can you just say yes in this moment? Like tomorrow when you wake up, can you just say yes to him in that moment? If you could just give him this moment, a yes in this moment, he's going to come alongside you. But I just, anyone who that's resonating with, just I'm so afraid to say yes to whatever it is. Just say yes now. Like respond to him. If you feel like, yes, I, I know this is applying to me, but... I'm so afraid to just say yes. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just heard him so clearly. This is the Lord. Guys, this is not me. This is the Lord. I've never interrupted a sermon. Never. So I just feel this so strongly. Just say yes to him in this moment. And maybe you need to say yes to him, you know, at lunch. or in the, He is looking just for that yes when you are contemplating your journey with the Lord. Just say, yes, Lord. I say yes to you. And, and watch him come and comfort your heart and show his grace to you. Yeah, so we break off all fear right now in Jesus' name. 
We command fear to break. You foul spirit, get off your ch this church. Get off the children of God. We say fear go and never return in Jesus' name. This is the last day we'll talk. Bye-bye. We thank you, God, for boldness to say yes, no matter what it looks like, to walk in every day and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Every moment, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. God, we thank you for the journey. Holy Spirit, I also ask right now that anyone who may not know the Lord Jesus, that you would grip their hearts today, that you would inspire them towards salvation. And I want to say to you, if you're in this room and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, here's what that means. You met him and you changed. Something changed on the inside. Doesn't mean you went to church. It doesn't mean you said a prayer. It means you met him and something changed. You can't meet Jesus and not change. It's impossible. So if you're here and you're like, yeah, I, I said a prayer or I went to church or whatever, but nothing's ever really changed on the inside, you are in need of salvation, my friend. And it's available to you. It is. It's Jesus, you, if you don't like that line, I'm sorry, but Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. True and false by the fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So this is the deal. If you're like, yeah, I've never, like nothing's really changed ever. Like I've just been the same person even after going to church, even after saying the prayer. And you need to meet Jesus. Today's your day. Amen. Today's your day. Now, why would you refuse the kindest person in the universe? He loves you. He wants you to come out of your sin. Some of you have sin habits that are, you're so afraid to even admit because they're grotesque. And God is not upset at you. He is not mad at you. He wants you to be free. You need to respond to these prayer servants when we say amen. That's how we do it. We call it a soft close. We just say amen and we let people move with their conviction. Amen. So I'm going to pray one more time and say amen. And then on the right and the left of the stage here, there are people with prayer tags. They have white tags with red lanyards. Can't miss them. If you want to encounter Jesus for real, head down to them. You can even do it now if you'd like, but as soon as we close. If you need healing in your body, come on down. If you need agreement for anything, we would love to pray with you. And so as we close, I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your word. I pray that it would be truly your word that was made manifest today, that changes us from the inside out, that breaks us out and keeps us out of grace paralysis so that we can have the joy of serving you. <laughs> you're worthy, Jesus. Can we just say that? Jesus, you're worthy of my service. You're worthy. You're worthy of my time, my talent, my treasure. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.